Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening in the stars above. Welcome, everybody. It's good to see you on this beautiful Monday morning, at least here in the Pacific Northwest. It's a beautiful, sunny day. I can see Mount Rainier. When I can see Mount Rainier, you know that air is crystal clean because he is literally about 100 miles southeast of me. <laughs> so I love it when I can see that giant uh, ice cream cone upside down. Um, thank you all for being here. It is Monday, the last Monday of October, if you can believe that. We are just a day away from uh, Samhain or Halloween. And of course, El Dia de los Muertos, if you are so inclined to celebrate that, which usually occurs on November 1st what we also know as All Saints Day. So it's a busy week in terms of the calendar and in terms of the things that we celebrate. Uh, luckily, well, I kind of miss this, but our house sits back from the road and uh, that way kids don't see us on Halloween, right? So we they don't come to our door looking for candy. So I, I miss it in, on one hand because it's kind of fun to see all the kids dressed up. But on another hand, you know, you're always being interrupted and you are participating in create, helping kids create cavities. <laughs> Silly, but okay. <laughs> um, people are checking in early this morning. I saw Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel out there and thank you for the uh, treat. Debbie, thumbs up, please. If you are watching the video and enjoying what we're talking about, please hit the thumbs up if you're on YouTube and hit the like button if you are on Facebook watching us this morning. I saw Tom pop in. He says, happy Samhain and happy Day of the Dead. Honor our ancestors. Indeed, it's a good thing to do. Pam Zaruba, good morning. Christine, good morning to you. Terry, hello from the other room. And Nico, great to have you with us. He says he's tuning in from Tucson, Arizona. Great, great to have you here. Corey, good morning to you. Joan Dirchie, hello. And Teddy, remembering Tony Grossman, a friend of ours, from, or of theirs, I should say, because I never really knew him, uh, from Southern California when they were growing up. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, and anybody else out there who hasn't yet checked in, good morning to you and welcome. So today, by the way, the moon just about, well, less than an hour ago, maybe about a half an hour ago, transited into the sign of Gemini out of the sign of Taurus, where it was for the time of the of the lunar eclipse, which, you know, here in the U.S., we didn't experience the eclipse in terms of being able to visually see it. Um, but I can tell you it was certainly activated. Eclipses are huge gateway times. And people often encounter their shadows at the at the new and the full moon eclipses, the new moon eclipse being a solar eclipse and the full moon being a uh, lunar eclipse. So we we have these eclipse windows and uh, energetically. So it's not like a doorway opens up that you can see, but energetically, these doorways or pathways open up for change for transformation. And transformation is one word to say death and rebirth. So we have these big energy shifts possible at this point in time, even, you know, the time leading up to the eclipse, and then even the time after the eclipse. So these gateways, they bring us the opportunity 
for uh, moving on or for releasing a lunar eclipse, especially good for releasing. And it's not unusual then to see the passing of people right around those eclipse windows. Uh, Matthew Perry, of course, kind of a shocking uh, death uh, this particular weekend. No one expected a 54-year-old man to, to leave the planet. Um, it was a shock that is part of an eclipse pattern. Um, my own granddaughter was in the hospital over uh, the weekend. Nothing major, she's doing well, but some kind of flu or something is going around that's really taking people down hard. And she was likely one of its um, victims. Things like this, they call our attention to where we may not be living. Uh, I'm gonna use the word right. Think about it in quotes though because I don't mean it as a value statement or as a moral uh, code type of thing. It just means it's showing us sometimes by the events that we're experience or experiencing is where we are out of alignment, perhaps with our true selves and uh, where we need some shifting to take place, some transformation to take place in order to reorient ourselves correctly. So this morning, I thought we will, there's not a lot of big transits going on this week. We do have Saturn turning direct on Friday. That's big. We'll talk about it on Friday, right? We'll talk about it Friday during the show. Uh, on Wednesday, I will be on Angel Heart Radio at 4 p.m. Pacific time, which will be what, 7 p.m. East Coast time. And we're going to talk about the aspects that uh, represent the relationships between planets uh, on um, the, on Annette McCoy's show or the Angel Heart Radio show. And so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time this today talking about the aspects that are showing up, but just suffice it to say, November is looking like a, a quiet month, except that there are a lot of aspect things happening. Now, Wednesday morning, I will also be on air with uh, Tam Veyu of the Energy Almanac. It'll be November 1st. It'll be time for us to take a look ahead at the month of November, each of us choosing our favorite things to talk about uh, in relation to the energies of the month. So, wow, that's four times you get to see me this week. Today, twice on Wednesday, and once on Friday. Yay! And then those of you taking the Human Design course will see me on Thursday. So I am literally on air all week long, it seems. Um, so the other thing I thought we would do today, besides taking a look at the moon like we always do, is I want to take a look at the gene keys. In the And I haven't spent a lot of time talking about them lately because I felt like I needed to set the basis for the gene keys, which is human design and astrology in some ways, right? You have to build up to the bigger systems by knowing things that, you know, are a part of those bigger systems. But today, I wanted to talk about the shadow energy of death and the shadow of purposelessness. Two reasons. One, it's important. Today is the last day of the sun's transit through that particular gate, gate 28, um, or through that particular gene key, 28, same number, just gene key versus gate. And the primary difference between a gene key and a gate is that the gate takes a look at one major energy while the gene keys breaks it into shadow, uh, gift, and city. So what if the gene keys do is give us a look at the sort of holographic uh, energies of uh, that gate, right? And 
so we're looking deeper, right? And we're looking at it through different facets, right? And that's because, you know, even though we might say that the gene key 28 is the gate of purposelessness or the gene key of purposelessness, that isn't going to quite cover the full meaning of it. In quantum human design now, the gate 28 is called adventure uh, slash challenge. Now that covers it partly too, but not completely. In the gene keys, we get to see the totality, if you will, <laughs> play on words here, of that energy from the lowest expression of the energy, which is purposelessness, to the gift, which is totality, and to the Siddhi, which is the highest expression of that gene key and is the gate of sort of this uh, wonderful all-inclusiveness uh, through the word, oh, I got to look at the word, 28, uh, through totality, purposelessness, and immortality. How could I forget that word? Oh my goodness. Okay. Brainwaves come back. Uh, so we're looking at it through three different energies um, in, in increasing uh, light. Let's put it that way, an increasing light. Not that it's any better that you can see it through the lens of immortality or through totality, or even, you know, seeing it through purposelessness. It's that we want to see how all of these different facets are playing out. But first, we're going to start with the moon today, being just having moved into the sign of Gemini. So if you have your astrology charts with you, take a look and find where uh, uh, Gemini sits in the chart. It is a sign that looks like the number, the Roman numeral two. And that is the area of your life for the next three days that will be impacted by the moon. And remember, the moon is the fastest moving planet in astrology. And it changes signs every two to three days, depending on, you know, where it is in the transit. And that means the moon is the biggest influencer of our moods, of our emotional energies, of our intuition, and on a daily basis, right? We could tap in daily to the moon and understand ourselves better through that connection. Now, when the moon transits through Gemini, the sign of communication, curiosity, versatility, uh, it is uh, a sign that we may feel more restless in, where we may feel more sociable, more like chattering with everybody, uh, and we may feel more adaptable than usual, especially if you're someone who is in one of the more fixed signs like Taurus and Aquarius or Scorpio or Leo. When the moon moves through Gemini, you may start to loosen up somewhat and feel like, oh, yeah, I can make these changes. Now, Gemini is also an air sign, which means it is rational, it is logical, analytical at times, right? And it is also a mutable sign, which means it's also flexible, versatile, adaptable, and open to change, right? It's a sign that doesn't fear going into new territory. And Gemini, as an energy, puts us in a position of loving to learn new things or explore different perspectives, perhaps to share information with one another through communication or even through writing, whatever ways in which we can communicate with people. And when the moon is moving through the sign of Gemini, we may feel more inclined to seek variety um, or in some way connection with others. We become more social right? More sociable, I guess, is another word. Now, some of the positive 
uh, effects of the moon moving through Gemini is that we may feel more curious. Curiosity, a great word for the, the moon in Gemini. And we may feel more eager to learn new things. And by the way, by the by, just because Terry and Teddy are both listening this morning, both of you have the moon in Gemini by birth, right? In your own astrology charts. Not sure if you guys realize that. Um, but we also can, um, we may communicate more effectively and express ourselves more clearly, even if I'm a Gemini and stumbling over words this morning. <laughs> Um, we may also enjoy socializing and hanging out with friends, networking, exchanging ideas with others. We are definitely more communicative when the moon is moving through the sign of Gemini. We can also become more creative and inventive, right? It's a part of us that starts to be stimulated and comes up to the surface. Now, like any sign, that the moon is going through, there's also the challenges of the moon in that sign. And one of the challenges is that we feel more restless and scattered. Scattered because our focus is like this kaleidoscope and it just like we might look at something and this is what I'm going to do, but then my focus gets scattered, right? And uh, we find it hard to focus on that one thing that we're meant to focus on. We can easily get bored or distracted, and this is going to be a day for me where I'm going to have to take my phone and I'm going to have to put it upside down in the other room because I know what will happen. I will be like, you know, the squirrel looking everywhere for everything, being distracted by different text messages, etc., especially when I need to focus, right, on one particular big thing. Um, we may become more superficial or inconsistent, right? There is a tendency in Gemini to sugarcoat the top surface. Not that they're not capable. The moon is pretty capable of looking at information, but not necessarily taking it to the nth degree. And this is also a sign that it's air. Air does not have boundaries. Air can be everywhere and anywhere at any time. And that can give a sort of need when the moon is moving through Gemini for some kind of constant stimulation, you know, getting up, moving, talking, going there, looking at that, looking this up, looking over there. And we can become more inconsistent in that we don't necessarily have the uh, the the feet of the bull, for example, in Taurus that wants to dig in and stay in one position. So we can also be more prone to gossiping, to exaggeration, to white lies, to actually downright lying uh, with the moon in Gemini. We have to watch out for that. And interestingly enough, we can become more emotionally detached. And here we are, we're talking about the moon in Gemini, but yet Gemini being an air sign is tapped into the information stream, not necessarily the emotional stream. So there can be this disconnect between um, the moon in Gemini and the actual feelings that come along with it. Um, and we can try to rationalize more of the things that we're feeling or what's going on around us, that type of thing. But the moon in Gemini is a good time to do some particular things. For example, because it's a sign of communication, it's a great time for us to reach out to our friends or to our family or to people that we haven't talked to in a while in order to catch up, right, or to, um, you know, start a conversation with people. It is also a great time to sit down with a book or to listen to a documentary or to take a course on something that really interests you. Um, if you are a writer, 
excuse me, this could be a great time for writing, maybe a blog post or an article, a letter to someone that you care about. Just writing in general is also a kind of communication. Um, and of course, exploring. Gemini as an energy that is mobile, this is a moving energy, does really well with um, traveling or visiting places or visiting people. So, you know, the conversation part of it might be that I actually go to somebody's house and I sit down with them over a cup of coffee or tea and we chat up about whatever's going on in our lives. So it's a good time even to take a short trip, maybe across town. Maybe there's a, for me, for example, a trip to Seattle would feel like a longer trip. It's about 70 miles or so from here, but that's where all the good museums are, right? If I was going to go to a museum today with the moon in Gemini, I would have to make that trip. I would satisfy both Gemini's need for curiosity or stimulation from information and the short trip, right? It's a great day to do those kinds of things. It is also a good time for us to brainstorm, to experiment with new ideas or new ways of being, um, try something new, right? Gemini does not necessarily fear to tread into new territory, but it is also not a good time, not a good time to make big decisions or emotion or decisions that require emotional clarity or commitment, because this energy in Gemini is just too fickle. When the moon is here, it's hopping around into different things. So if you have a big decision to, to make, maybe wait for a few days until the moon moves into Cancer, <laughs> a sign that is much better equipped to make a decision. And it is hard to stick to a routine. This is not your time to stick to a routine and, or a schedule and say, okay, I gotta be here at this time in this place and do this every day. <clears throat> doesn't work in Gemini. It's too mo mobile, right? It is not a time to engage in deep, meaningful conversations that require empathy and sensitivity necessarily, be unless there are other things in the chart that equip you to be able to do that. But at the same time, you're dealing with a person who is, might also be negatively affected by the moon in Gemini. So sometimes you can test the water. You can see, okay, can I go deeper? And if there doesn't seem to be the pathway to do that, or there's no strength of uh, the focus or commitment uh, to that deeper subject, then let that go, right? Rather than trying to go deep and getting frustrated uh, by the other person's, you know, superficiality, or just wait for another day, perhaps. It is not a good time to focus on the details, the facts, or the figures that require concentration and accuracy, because our minds tend to water, or wander, not water, um, they wander around jumping from subject to subject. And it is also not a good day to deal with emotional issues that require some kind of inner uh, introspection, perhaps, or healing uh, of something deeper, right? It, it's a great day to look at the superficial or at the, the surface content of something and maybe determine where something deeper must happen, but not necessarily a day for us to make progress in that way. So, uh, Asa, good morning. 
And she says, I am a writer and I'm going to get to it today. I love it. This is a great day for that. Actually, today, tomorrow, and I do believe even Wednesday until, uh, let's see, later in the afternoon, my time, 2.30, so 5.30. So you've got a good couple of days to get to the writing. Catherine Worcester, it's good to have you with us. Uh, my dreams have been full of anxiety. Uh, yes, I have noticed that in my own self. And they're they're dark and i don't mean dark as in scary or horrific they're dark as in i can't see them clearly like i can sit here and i can tell you that i had this whole series of dreams but i don't know about what right i i got the gist of it i get that there was some anxiety about something or I get that there was a worry. I think there was worry in my dream, but I don't know what I'm worried about in the dream anyway. Uh, I don't even know. I, I have a feeling it was me and my daughters in this dream, but I can't pin it down because it was dark, shadowy, right? So that that tells me that there's something shadowy in my unconscious mind or my subconscious mind that is making its way to the surface that maybe I have yet to identify so I just go with the flow when it's like that. Uh, Kajella, good morning. I was thinking about you this morning and wondering what you'd been up to because I hadn't seen you in a while. Same with you, JLo. It's great to have you with us. Natasha says, my dream was uh, is so part of this energy. Amazing, right? Amanda Burgess, good morning to you. Um, not nice and happy dreams, she says, along the lines of night nightmares maybe. But it is that time of the year, right? We're... We're in a time period of dealing with fear, dealing with shadows. Every <clears throat> uh, week since the last week in September, in your human design chart, you have had some sort of fear being triggered or the potential of some fear being triggered in that <clears throat> as the sun moves through the gate of the spleens from the last week of September until the first week in November, uh, we end up you know, facing certain fears that are being triggered by the transiting planet or by the transiting sun. Likewise, in March, we'll go through it again when the transiting Earth moves through the spleen center and triggers some of those fears that are lying in underneath the surface of our, in under the surface of our lives. So it's perfectly normal to have this happening at this time. Um, Natasha, oh, okay, I got back, I went too far ahead, she says, I had a dream going on a trip, it was hard to leave and be organized and then fearful I wasn't going to get to the train and flight on time, woke up on the way trying to catch the train. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know, I know what you're talking about. Good morning, Jolie Evans, it's good to see you out there. The time of the eclipse, Corey, was at, let's see, you are in on the East Coast, I think, it was 4.24 p.m., East Coast time, 1.24 p.m. West Coast time, right? And my phone, uh, my Fitbit actually told me when it was that time so I could connect with it. It was amazing to have these, you know, abilities for uh, something to ding on your watch or to come across your phone that says, okay, lunar eclipse in progress right now. And we have the opportunity, yay though I couldn't see it, to tap into it and intuitively connect to the energies that were being presented at the time. And uh, anyway, Amanda, it's great to have you from Australia and maybe we'll see you on Wednesday uh, when uh, 
Angel Heart Radio, which broadcasts from Australia, is on air. It will be four o'clock my time, which I believe is 10 a.m. in Melbourne, where she broadcasts from. Uh, okay, so this morning, I really, really, really want to go into the depth of the Gene Key 28. And it's difficult to do this because the Gene Keys are deep right? There's a lot of depth when we go here. And I'm a Gemini. I like superficial. Moon is in Gemini. I just told you it's superficial. And here we are. We're going to go deep. And that means that maybe some of you can only grasp what's going on on the superficial, on the upper levels. And that's okay. It's okay because you can post questions down here in the bottom. You can always, in the in the chat, if you're on Facebook or on uh, YouTube watching this. Later, for those of you who listen to it as a podcast, you can always email me at Janet at living-astrology.com and send me questions that you might have. So in the Gene Keys, as you'll recall from earlier in the broadcast, we were talking about how it is arranged in a hologram or a holographic form. And a holograph is really just our ability to see interdimensionally or to see dimensions of something. So if we were to look at this word or the, the, the gene key in a hologram, we would see that there are these different levels within it that are interconnected uh, and patterns that are sort of um, in, in this field of energies that are kind of intermixed but yet they're distinct. So there we have kind of this interesting hologram where all of the energies are all there and they're also there individually. And the individual shadow of the gate 28 is purposelessness, where we feel like there is no purpose, no meaning, no direction in our lives. And, you know, have you ever wondered yourself, uh, what's the point of your existence? Or what what your life purpose is, right? That is something that puts you in the majority of people on the planet who have at some time or another asked this question. And yet this is also a struggle that each of us have, the struggle to find our purpose, the struggle to find meaning in life, especially when there are crises or traumas that we've all experienced in our lives at some time or another. Then we question like, what's it all about? what is the whole purpose of living only to die? Hmm. Um, the 28th gene key really does talk about the, our fears, our fear of death in particular, our fear of annihilation, our fear of, you know, living and dying and it having no meaning, right? I think about this um, sometimes when, you know, somebody of major importance dies or somebody who's really had an impact on the planet um, or somebody, let's just take Matthew Perry, who's got a body of work that when he dies or as he's died, all of that body of work is still here. So in some ways, he's still alive on the planet. And I can see the fear of others, you know, that die um, and not having made that impact. And is there even a footprint that I was here on the earth at some point in time, right? These are fate fears that are caught up in our minds, by the way. It's not true, of course. Most people that have lived on the planet are part of a family and that ancestral line continues on and so forth. But the shadow of purposelessness here can really be triggered when external events can create chaos for us, such as a loss, right? Somebody's death, a crisis, a change, a challenge, 
right? When we face uncertainty or when we face adversity, we can doubt ourselves and our ability to cope with life in general. We may feel overwhelmed or helpless, fearful, um, and we may lose sight of the vision uh, of for our lives, but also lose sight of our passion in our lives, right? I know this exquisitely because after Brian died, I felt that that loss and I felt that purposelessness. I felt like, what am I here for? I bring this person's, you know, into this life and then he exits. And now what's the meaning of my life? My life now, what is it? So the, it, all of us at some point or another, we experience this feeling of doubt in life and living and why are we here and what is it all about? Why, what's it all for? Now, the shadow of purposelessness is not a sign of weakness in humans or a failure even. It's natural. It's also inevitable for us to sort of feel this feeling at some point in our human journey. And literally, it is an invitation for us to go deeper into ourselves to discover our true purpose. Now, interesting, right? Because here we are today. This is the last day of this gate being transited by the sun. Tomorrow we move into the last gate on the spleen, the gate of purpose, and uh, or not the gate of purpose, sorry, the gate of, uh, of patterns. And then later this week, we'll go into the gate of purpose, life purpose, right? So it's kind of funny that we are getting these fears out of the way. And then, boom, we go off to a different center in your human design and in the gene keys. And we go into an energy about life purpose. So it's almost saying to us that we have to clear out some of these dark places in order to get to the truth of why we're here, of why you are here individually, why we are here collectively, etc. So it is perfectly okay then right now to be looking deeper into the fear field here and to see what it is that this means. It could be a catalyst time for growth, um, for evolution of consciousness singly and also as a collective, right? Now the 28th gene key also holds the gift of total presence. The gift is called totality. And you could think of totality as being totally present in this moment, right? Totally present. And the highest gift here is immortality or the, the city it's called in Gene Keys. And that's spelled S-I-D-D-H-I, city. And it really just is about um, the, if, if we move through the shadow of purposelessness by being all in, total, purposeful, then we move into immortality. So when we embrace that shadow of purposelessness, we open ourselves to the possibility that we could live in this very present moment, which is something that we all struggle with, right? We know we're living in the now, but how many times are you sitting here? You might be sitting here listening to me right now, but your mind is wandering off into what do I have to do later? What's on my list today, right? What do I have to go? I'm shop, may, I may be writing a shopping list. I do it all the time, right? I'm sitting here doing something, focused on something, and then I, my phone catches my attention or somebody pops up with a messenger message or something that takes my attention and pulls me away from that focus, right? 
So being fully aware and in the present moment is where we find engagement with life. This is where we breathe. I don't breathe in the past and I have yet to breathe in the future. So I have the now. This is where I breathe. <clears throat> so when we are in the now, so says the gate 28, we realize that our purpose isn't something that we have to find. It isn't something that we have to achieve, but something that we're here to live, to express. And it's about expressing your uniqueness in the world, sharing your gifts with the world, whatever those gifts might be, and sharing them in a way that strikes up passion within you, right? That's something you love, something you really wish wholeheartedly uh, to be engaged with. We're here to love and be loved and find the beauty and the mystery in our existence here on the planet. Yet purposelessness is ever invasive in, on the planet. When we live from total presence, we transcend the limitations of our minds. We actually can even transcend the limitations of time and space when we live in this moment. We can access higher dimensions of consciousness. We can be feeling very clearly our connection to all life, right? To all life, right? Plant, animal, human, un or not unhuman, but uh, angelic, um, unseen, that kind of thing. The mystery of everything. Um, now, we can also experience immortality. But that's not about living forever in a physical sense right, being in the body forever, but about realizing our true nature as eternal beings of light or eternal beings in general, right? You are, you are immortal. There is, right, we, your physical body may die. It will, right? The physical body has its limitations. But our constant search for immortality through health and healing and all of that um, primarily stems from a fear of death, of annihilation, of dying. And then having lived our 70, 80, 90 years, with what meaning? With what purpose? What was it all about? But truly, we are eternal. And from the other side of the veil, if you will, it looks a lot different right? This is a blip on the screen of something as you're going through the evolution of your own consciousness. So this particular gene key, which we're going to deconstruct here in just a minute, uh, is a powerful and profound sort of gate or gene key that helps us overcome the shadow of purposelessness. And then that helps us awaken to our true purpose. What is your true purpose for being here? And then can inspire us to move, to keep going in spite of the crises or the losses and the traumas and so forth. And it helps us to create a path of courage and living our passion and joy. It reminds us that we're not alone, that every one of us on this planet is experiencing this at some time in some way. And it's something that is a part that we are all a part of a greater whole. And it shows us that we're not meaningless, but essential, right? The world would not be the same if it wasn't for you being on the planet, right? That's just a, a truth, a universal truth.
All right, so now let's look a little bit deeper at this gene key, the shadow of purposelessness, which I think I've already said was really underlying it all is this fear of death, that everything that I've done ultimately has no meaning or no purpose. And we can do one of two things typically in the shadow, right? I'm not saying all of us have moved through this likely or have attempted to move through this. We either deny death or we become consumed by it. And that tells us right there that we are living in this deep, dark shadow. And some of our demonic archetypes arise as the personification of our unconscious fear of death, right? And then it becomes real to the people that are experiencing it. So this whole idea of demonic presences on the planet is really a, a like congregation of fears of how we are going to die, right? Or of somebody that's out to get us or of evil, which by the way, evil is the word live backwards, right? We're afraid to live. The shadow sets us up for a falsely constructed reality where it is good and evil. And of course, we're on a planet of duality anyway. So we tend to see everything as either good or not good, good or bad, uh, good or evil right? And the fear have, of death has sharpened our instincts for survival, right? Or our instincts in general, which it's done its job. <laughs> We're alive, right? Humans have made it through millennia of things, trials and tribulations and catastrophes and wars and famine and disease. And we've done it, right? We are still alive to tell the tale. But the fact of death leads us to question our purpose. And on the physical level, we could say you have two core purposes for living. One is to maintain your health, your body, your physical presence for as long as possible, which means basically you're taking care of yourself, right? You're feeding yourself good foods, you're taking care of your energy, you're making sure your physical body has movement and motion by exercising or whatever. And maintaining your health might mean that you're also utilizing different health regimes, uh, things like that. And your second core pur purpose is to evolve. So being in the physical on the planet is about evolving. So you're maintaining your health, your body, as a vehicle to move you through the process of evolution, however many years that takes for you um, in this lifetime. Now, also, what does evolution mean? Because evolution has a lot of different meanings to people, right? There's evolution through uh, the uh, survival of the species, and that is not the kind of evolution that I'm talking about here. Um, evolution, I really believe, as it's also stated in the Gene Keys, is about creative uniqueness, bringing out more and more of your creative self, of you, adding more of you to the soup, right, to the mix. Um, you're, each of us are born with a unique purpose. But the purpose isn't to be a lawyer, to be a doctor, or to be an astrologer. Those are not purposes. Those are how you fulfill your purpose. Your purpose might be to learn to love. Maybe your purpose is to learn to be loved. Maybe your purpose is to 
uh, learn as much as you can about something, right? Purpose isn't the work that you do, but in the work that you do is the grounds for fulfilling your purpose. So really your purpose then is about releasing your creative genius to the world. You have to meet your dark side, your shadows, your fears in order to do that. So in your very DNA is fear, right? It is, I, I would love to just say, okay, just don't feel the fear. It isn't going to happen, right? We all feel fear. One of my uh, friends, a medium, you all see her here in the morning sometimes is, uh, she's uh, Terry Strauss, right? She's a medium psychic and she was invited to do a, um, uh, night at the museum, right? Medium at the museum. So she was going to be doing on stage what she does right now for individuals or groups of people. And she was terrified, terrified to get up in front of a, on stage in front of an audience. That kind of fear is healthy as long as you don't let it shut you down, which she did not. She went, she did it right? She went on stage and she did this presentation. She did her genius, her creative genius in spite of the fear. So we often will say in human design, you feel the fear and do it anyway. The fear literally could be a call from your soul that you're ignoring some vital part of yourself, some vital part of your purpose, and you need to swing over to face it and do it anyway. Right now, I'm not talking about the kind of fear that you get when you look at a cliff and you're like, whoa, I don't want to jump off that cliff, literal cliffs. That kind of fear is about survival, keeping you safe. I'm talking about the fear of getting up on stage in front of people to do the work that you love, to know, to do what you know is your genius. Um, fear of starting that new business when you've wanted to do that all your life and the only thing that's keeping you from it is fear. You're repressing your passion by fear, right? Those are the kind of fears I'm talking about. Now, the fear of death puts us under pressure, right? The fear, like we feel pressured to find our life purpose and take the risk to follow our dreams. We are afraid to do that, at least initially. Like I remember way back when, <laughs> maybe 2003, when I was 41 and I was in the midst of my Uranus opposition and I had been working all my life up until that point in sales and sales management, general management. Uh, and I was damn good at it, right? I was so good. I got awards and I had all kinds of things going for me, promotions, etc. You would have thought that was a stupid move for me to decide that that wasn't my passion. And what I wanted to do was move into the metaphysical world. And I wanted to open up a bookstore, a metaphysical bookstore. I had no money to do so. I had no skills in running my own business, my own business. I could run other people's businesses, sure. But then that's their money. That's their responsibility. Ultimately, I'm just doing what I'm told and how I've learned to handle a crew of salespeople, for example. Um, but I took the risk. I felt that fear and I did it anyway. I quit my job. I opened up a bookstore and started running a metaphysical center, right? And it was fraught with peril. 
I mean to tell you, I was literally almost in fear and terror every day. How am I going to pay the rent on this building? How am I going to find people interested in metaphysics? How am I going to get the name Mystic Moon out there? Because that was the name of the shop. But I did it anyway. And I can tell you, yes, that was all kinds of issues and all kinds of fears and things like that. But it was probably the biggest time of growth in my life. So life and and I guess what I was really feeling was alive. I really felt the aliveness. And that feeling of life and the feeling of aliveness is proportional to your willingness to face your fears. It's proportional. The more willing you are to go all in, to be fully present, even in the face of that fear, the more you will evolve and grow and face more of your fears. And while you're doing that, you are releasing purposelessness and moving into totality and maybe even moving into immortality. It's amazing. Now, we avoid the fear of death and literally all of our fears by creating a sort of mental construct or a philosophy or a set of beliefs um, to numb the fear. Like we might believe that I might have believed because I had no money and I had no books that I wasn't going to be able to create a bookstore. I mean, how do you do that? Wouldn't I have to have money to buy the books to create a bookstore? Right? That could have shut me down. It could have shut me down. Um, so what happens when we have this fear that we don't want to live our passion because of the mind telling us, right, you don't have the money, you don't have the resources, you don't have the time, you don't have the knowledge, you don't have the fill in the blank right? The fear is going to lead us to think all kinds of things. It means that we then push our finding our purpose or living our purpose out into the future, right? We postpone living life until we meet our fears. I'm going to keep postponing opening that store until I'm not afraid of not having enough. You know how else this plays out, right? People who want children, they don't have children because they're afraid they won't be able to take care of them. Money issues, right? But what if you were passionate about having children and then suddenly, finally, at age 40, you have money, you have resources, you have what you think is being, you know, settled, but now you can't have children. I mean, that's, I mean, there are ways around it, but, right? The thing is, if we keep putting off our purpose or living our passion into the future, it almost tells us that we are going to encounter problems be, that we didn't expect by putting it into the future. Everything happens in this now. We can't keep postponing our life until our fear is settled because the fear is always adding new layers, right? New layers. Now, basically, here in the Western world, most for the most part, we have mastered the material world, right? I see very few people dying in this world of starvation. Now, before we get into this whole thing, people, there are still troubles this way, right? But when you're not so worried about having to find your next meal, it opens up your energy for a whole lot of other things. But the fear didn't go away because we didn't deal with the fear of survival. It just shifted. It shifted into purposelessness. So instead of being afraid to die, we're now more afraid to live. Right? We compromise. 
we feel trapped by the systems, right? Like by the money or lack of it, by your, our responsibilities. I can't go and do that because I have this responsibility um, by taxes, by inflation, by the wars. We use a lot of different things as excuses not to live our purpose because now that we're not so much afraid of dying from the basic needs, right? Like food and water and that type of thing. It shifted into now, now that I have these things set, now that I don't have to go out every day and hunt for my food or gather my food, I could just go to the grocery store once a week and buy supplies. It shifted into purposelessness, our life purpose. Finding our life be purpose became sort of the obsession that we have come into. And we can be also afraid of following our purpose and living our life in this truly beautiful way because somehow it feels selfish. Right? So we compromise, we dim our light, we dumb ourselves down so that we don't shine too brightly, that we don't look too awesome in living out this purpose that we have. So we can also have this fear that others are going to look at us and think of us as being selfish. And then we stop doing what we really love to do, or we dumb it down. We, we repress our need to live through the fear that someone might think of us as selfish or self-centered or what. So we compromise all the time. And I'm telling you, that is killing us. So what does it mean to live in the gift of totality, right? Totality. What does the word mean? Well, the word is to embrace the whole of your nature to or embrace the whole of something, right? Totality and the whole of life. That means we are embracing both the pleasure and the pain, right? The whole enchilada. Embracing the good with the bad, embracing the loss with the life right? Living without allowing your mind to dictate your life. That is living in totality, not letting your mind shut you down, not letting your mind lead you into fear. Living life in the moment is totality. Life purpose can only be found in the present moment, not in some distant future. It also doesn't live in the past, right? So it lives in the now. Um, and as you embrace all parts of your psyche, all parts of yourself, the good, the bad, the ugly, you reach what Jung called the state of individuation, being you, living you in totality. The shaman, the shaman might call this the process of soul retrieval, right? And in your human design and in your gene keys, every gate or gene key shows you where there are parts of yourself that you need to bring into more and more purposefulness, right? More and more of you being expressed, right? Um, totality can also be the continued state of taking risks, not the crazy risks of the 28th shadow, you know, but the risk of building something that you can't see until it's complete or a business, a life, a relationship, the path to your true destiny, right? Your path, not mine, but yours, not your sister's, but yours, not your mom or dad's, yours, right? Living your purpose. 
And it requires in some way that we surrender to the mystery that is life. Like when I, I, I could do a reading for you in say, let's say human design or in a Gene Keys reading, and I can point out what your soul purpose is. I can point out what your seeming life purpose is because the life purpose or the design side is showing us kind of what it is that we need to embrace more of in order to be living whole, right? But I can't tell you that your life purpose is to do that by being a hairdresser. I can't tell you that your life purpose of, uh, let's say, uh, deeper love and acceptance of spirit is going to be played out by being a driver. Doesn't work that way. You get to pick your passion. What are you all into? And then you live that out with these traits that you have chosen as a soul. You get to choose what it is that you're going to do when you come here. And so trusting the mystery that in, in the moment, you may not always know exactly what comes next. You shouldn't, right? Because you're in that now. And it allows us in totality to be alive in every sense, living and vital in every moment, even if it is about loss in that moment, being in that grief being in that joy as a baby is born in your family or being in the joy when you succeed at something. Fear does not live in the moment. It lives in the future or it lives in the past, future, past, right? Because in this moment, you might fear, feel fear in this moment, but it can't survive in the moment if you're choosing to take the next step. If you're choosing to set aside fear, it's no longer fear. Now it's action. I'm doing something about it. So if this is where we come from, the saying fear, feel the fear and do it anyway. Because if when you're doing something that you love, something that maybe just five minutes ago you were afraid of, fear isn't there in the moment anymore because you're now doing what it was you feared you couldn't do. <laughs> it's like kind of you think about this in your mind you're going to go nuts so life itself here in totality in the gene key of 28 totality is a bit of a game or a play it is a romance including both comedy and tragedy where we progressively face our demons without the expectation but instead with conviction a curiosity maybe even where is this experience leading me where is the fact that I've quit my job and opened up a mystical, a magical, mystical store of books on the metaphysical world? Where's that going to lead me? Right? Where is it going to lead me? Not what fear is being produced within me. And trust me, it created a ton of fear. Um, my mind created a ton of fear around it. But instead, where is this experience leading me? How does this add to the tapestry of who I am, the totality of who I am? Every situation in your life is, this is a quote by uh, Richard Rudd, every situation in your life is devised as a form of initiation that allows you either to remain as you are or to evolve. Such a wise man. Now, you simply 
what do you do about this, right? You simply need to align yourself to the uh, plot line of your life, right? That as it unwinds in front of you, right? I can't predict. I couldn't have predicted this morning when I sat down to talk to you about all of this, where this was going to go. I had an idea. I wanted to talk about the Gene Key 28. But how that was going to play out, I know I have notes. But how that unwinds is yet to be seen. How is this kind of going to come to an end, for example, this morning, which it needs to in about four minutes. <laughs> um, so you simply align yourself to the plot line as it unwinds in front of you, allowing yourself to handle any adversity along the way, any tra uh, traumas, any blocks, any limitations as they come up. Don't presuppose, I mean, that you're going to get blocked the minute that you try something. Wait. If the block shows up, then deal with it, right? Deal with it. Allow a true sense of purpose to emerge, to serve something greater than yourself by sharing yourself sharing your gifts, sharing your talents with the world. True purpose, your true purpose is found in giving yourself 100% to every moment, every moment, rather than having to do it with any kind of achievement in mind or success thought in mind or some kind of fear of failure, right? You're doing it in the moment, feeling alive in the thrill of this moment, sharing my words with you in this moment not how are you i i can't concern myself with how you're taking this in i can't concern myself with whether or not you like what i'm saying uh, or whether you accept what i'm saying that isn't my job that's your job you deal with that but in this moment my aliveness my moment my my totality in this moment is sharing this information with you. And when totality is at play in your life, you are 100% committed um, to yourself. And that isn't selfish. That can't be selfish because when you're 100% committed to you and to yourself, that allows the people around you to see that commitment and mimic that commitment back to you. It allows them to be 100% committed to themselves and to how they share their gifts and talents with the world, right? So your commitment to yourself needs to be to find your passion, live it fully, detach from the fear, detach from it uh, uh, as, you know, having to turn out any specific way and just be committed to playing the role that you are playing in this moment. All right. Now, uh, maybe at some point we'll also go into the highest expression and discover what immortality is all about. Don't have time to do that this morning. Uh, but I hope all of you get a better understanding of this particular gate or gene key and how it's pervasive in our living our lives. All right. Uh, thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, let me check real quick and see if there were questions because I forgot to do that. Um, hello, Voltage. Uh, LS, this resonates for me right now, trying to figure out how to shift this feeling. You can't figure it out. That's the thing, right? We Maybe I didn't express that deep enough. 
your mind will create all kinds of frameworks and reasons uh, for being out of sync with your purpose and for not shifting, right? The fear will keep you from not shifting. The only antidote to all of this is to take action. Take the fear out of the equation by doing it anyway. Feeling the fear, sure, but do it anyway, whatever it is, shifting it to what you want. Tom, 17-year Armida Grer, I don't know what that means. 17-year Tom, I, I'm, I'm not sure what you're talking about there. So maybe I missed something in the news. Um, Teddy and our Tom and Kiki. Hello, whatever. Are you talking to them? How does one find out our purpose? Oh, I could probably do an entire show about just that. Right. Your purpose is what you are feeling called for to do in the moment. To communicate, to write to experience travel and adventure. Um, your purpose is not always going to be the same. How's that, right? Your purpose isn't always going to be the same every day on and on because you're applying your passion, which could also be read as purpose, to whatever it is that shows up in the moment, in the day, right? I hope that helps. Um, Jolie says, oh, darn, I've forgotten what you may have said my life purpose traits are. Oh, well, maybe listen to the recording if we did a reading or schedule yourself a reading so we can talk about it. And Tom says, always detach with love. Indeed. Always attach and detach with love. Christine, you're very welcome. Happy week for everybody. And um, all right, I've got a couple minutes. Let's draw a card. I'm going to draw a spirit animal because it's the only one I can reach that's on top. So let's have an animal to help us through this week. This is a deck by Colette Baron Reed, and it is called the Spirit Animal, the the Spirit Animal Oracle. And I got Whale Spirit. Trust the Great Mystery. And it's card number 65, which is an 11, which is the number of illumination, a sacred number to all of us in my family. Whale spirit, trust the great mystery. Let's take a look at that. Um, I think it's the last card in this deck even. Oh, no, there's wolf. Okay. Whale spirit says, is an, whale spirit is an ancient creature who was here at the beginning of time and who has seen everything felt everything, and heard everything that has ever transpired on this planet. In the hidden realms where all things must gather first before manifesting into form, whale spirit is the keeper, singing the soul of the whole world from the deepest waters of the coldest seas. When whale spirit appears, it is a reminder that there is a great mystery that you must accept without intellectually trying to understand it. <laughs> Some things cannot be known by the mind, only experienced through the heart, through intuition and through the physical or through the peripheral senses that part the invisible veil separating the visible world from the great manifesting consciousness in the hidden realms. Now is the time for you to immerse yourself in the great mystery of spirit and to trust that within the invisible, what you can't see now are the seeds of your intentions being tended to by angels. 
whale spirit. That's a great fitting card for the end of the broadcast. Love it. Love it. All right. Now that is it for me today. Take care, everybody. See you on Wednesday morning here 8 a.m. with Tam to talk about November astrology. I'll see you also at 4 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon, 4 p.m. Pacific time on Angel Heart Radio being broadcasted out of Australia, talking about aspect patterns in astrology and applying that to the month of November. And then I will also see you Friday morning for our next broadcast. Thank you all. <laughs> TJ, Tom, that's a whale of a card. I love it. All right. Bye for now, everybody. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for Astrology, Human Design, and Gene Keys Wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.